0: Introducing the first-ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower, hybrid max powertrain on limited and platinum trims, delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen, so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash grandhighlander.
1: This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen Dot com. your open space.
0: And now, move the
1: sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey
2: everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky, the Super Bowl is uh, is past, but now the fun begins because we can start talking about what is going to shape up as I think buck the most interesting offseason in the NFL that I can remember, and we've had we've had years where you've had you know the Peyton watch, right? We're wondering where Peyton Manning was going to go, um, and then you had the Kirk Cousins situation a couple of years ago. We knew he was going to be on the market, but Buck, the number of quarterbacks that could be changing uh, direction this this off season and new locations, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it.
3: No, it's fascinating. Everything always starts and it begins and ends with the quarterback in mind. Either you're building your team around the quarterback or you're trying to figure out a way to have your defense and the things around it to be able to knock the quarterback down. And so when we think about the teams that are in these rebuilding states and the the inventory that is available at the quarterback position, veterans and in the 2020 draft class, uh, a lot of movers and shakers. There are a lot of quarterbacks that will be in new locations. We'll see how many of those guys will end up getting starting jobs, though.
2: Yeah, we're, we're both uh, cranking on college players to get ready for the combine, um, doing that prep. But, man, free agency is going to be here before you know it, soon after the combine and, and before the draft. And I thought for today's episode, kind of our first off off-season episode, the most important position, the quarterback position, as you mentioned, um, all this potential turnover we could see around the league. I, I thought for today's show, Buck, Uh, We just kind of go through these one by one of all these quarterbacks we could see uh, potentially moving and and not only the uh, the NFL guys, but then maybe the top handful or so of the college players and just kind of line out where we see it right now. As we record this on February 4th, what we think the market will look like, who might be interested in these teams and where might the fits be?
3: Yeah, I mean, let's do it, man. Let's get right to it.
2: All right, let's, uh, let's start here. We'll go AFC and then NFC. We'll start with the big fish here in Tom Brady, uh, who is going to be free. Juked everybody out with his little Hulu uh, ad that he had. Nice Where he took nice a picture of him walking out of the tunnel. Uh, yeah, nicely done. Hats off to his marketing department for getting that done, creating a lot of interest in the commercial to pay it off. Um, but I, I've gone through these, Buck, and kind of listed a couple teams. So I'll give you the couple teams that I think make sense. And then you can add to that list, um, or, or you could even emphasize the list, whatever way you want to go. But I wrote down, most likely, New England. I still think at his age, 42, you really want to go to a new place, learn a new system, all that stuff. Um, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, so to me, I thought New England's still the favorite. And then for the second team, I actually put Las Vegas in the Raiders. I know uh, the Chargers have been mentioned a lot with Tom Brady Um I just think Las Vegas, for, for where he is right now and their offensive line, I think is a little bit ahead of where the Chargers' offensive line is. I think the Chargers have much more weapons to play with. Um, but I think as you get older, mobility is a problem. I would think he would probably steer a little bit more towards having that protection in a run game to help him out a little bit.
3: Yeah, I think I think here's the, here's the thing when it comes to, to Tom Brady. And I think the, the tough thing that everyone has uh, when it comes to evaluating him is, like We all understand the resume and the reputation and all of that stuff. And so you're trying to keep that in perspective while also looking at the player that we saw last year who didn't have a, a really good year, who, who began to show signs of decline, significant signs of decline. And so when you talk about the team that would be best suited to take him, I would say it's the New England Patriots. One of the reasons why is because they've seen the best of Tom Brady, and each and every day they've also seen where he's lacking, where he's weak at, and the thing that New England has always been able to do they've been able to take players and put them in the best situation for them to succeed now for Tom Brady last year they didn't necessarily have the weapons around him to elevate him and to help him play at a high level so if they choose to go down this road where they bring Tom Brady back and they bring him back on a $30 million plus deal the only way to enable Tom Brady to look like Tom Brady of old is they really have to invest in the playmakers on the outside and it can't be draft picks, it can't be guys that they're kind of pulling off the street at market rates at at bargain basement rates they have to pay big money to find some guys that can come right in and be right now players in a system that can be complex and complicated for veteran receivers to pick up because there is so much that takes place after the snap
2: no doubt and i want to ask you buck just because if you're uh you know history and knowledge of, of John Gruden and relationship there. When you look at Gruden's success in Oakland, Rich mm. Gannon, veteran. Mm-hmm. You look at his success in Tampa, Brad Johnson, veteran. Um, I know they could dip their toe in the draft water, uh, but in terms of trying to, to do something that's been proven to work for John Gruden, it's been the veteran, not the young guy.
3: Yeah, so now here, here's why it will work. And, and having watched it up close and personal with John Gruden, taking Rich Gannon, and look, I played with Rich Gannon in Kansas City before he went to Oakland, and then I played with Rich Gannon in Oakland under John Gruden, and I will say that the reason why that relationship worked, you're talking about two people who were intensely competitive, who were smart grinders, workers, and natural leaders. They were kindred spirits when it came to how they wanted the game to be played and how they wanted the rest of the team to play. Tom Brady would probably find a kindred spirit in John Gruden because John Gruden wants to win. John Gruden loves to put a lot on the quarterback. Tom Brady appears to be a guy who likes to have all of that responsibility. He loves the work. He loves all of that. And the thing that Tom could probably bring to the Raiders, not only legitimizing them with like the rings and kind of the winning pedigree, but he can show the young guys what it should look like when you're a champion. Um, I'm not saying that there's a leadership void uh, with the Raiders, but I'm saying that they certainly could benefit from having a champion at the quarterback position that can kind of show them how to get over the hump. That might be worth his weight in gold, even if he is a depreciating asset as a player. The knowledge, the work ethic, demonstrating how to be uh, a professional and a champion may pay more benefits for the Raiders than any other team when you kind of look at Tom Brady on the open market.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing. I think that New England, I think we both agree on that, New England's probably the most likely uh, scenario in that he returns there. They've got to upgrade the weaponry around him. But it, you know, I wouldn't sleep on the Chargers. I would not sleep on the Raiders. We'll see what happens there. Um, interesting one as we go down through the AFC here. Cincinnati, we all assume Joe Burrow will be the first overall pick. Uh, that puts Andy Dalton uh, potentially on the block. They could move on from him. And the two teams I wrote down, number one, I still stuck with Cincinnati because I think Andy's like the perfect bridge quarterback. I mean if you if you mm-hmm. were going to describe the perfect bridge quarterback, you'd describe Alex Smith and I think Andy Dalton very similar there. I think he would be very helpful to a young quarterback even if Andy you know wasn't even starting if he was just there as as the kind of that mentor role I think he would do well in, in that spot there in Cincinnati but the other one I wrote down and this might surprise people I wrote down Philadelphia because no team has shown over the years and no team is a greater example of having invested money in the backup quarterback position Carson Wentz, as good as he is, Buck, has had his injury issues. So um, they've invested. First, they invested in Chase Daniel. Then, obviously, Nick Foles, and that paid off with the Super Bowl. Um, Howie Roseman believes in spending money at that backup quarterback position so that your season does not collapse if something happens to your starter. And in this case, with Carson's injury history, it's even a wiser investment. You you need to invest in that backup quarterback. And I think Andy Dalton underneath Doug Peterson, um, they might be able to kind of polish him up a little bit and give him a chance to go on as Nick Foles did and cash in somewhere else down the line.
3: Man, it's funny. I like both scenarios. And I like both scenarios uh, for a few different reasons. I love it in Cincinnati. And I'm going to say this, and and I know I'm going to get some pushback from it, but when I evaluated Joe Burrow in the middle of the year, the guy that I kind of likened him to was Andy Dalton. And I know people are going to be like, oh, Andy Dalton is a mediocre quarterback, an average quarterback, despite the fact he's a three-time Pro Bowler. But the guy that I'm comparing him to is the Andy Dalton that played at TCU. And I think if you go back and anyone can pop in YouTube and look at what Andy Dalton did at TCU, he was 42-7 and as a starter at TCU. He was a guy that ran a spread offense who was also athletic and mobile and accurate and those things. Now, he graded out to be a second-round player, but – He jumped right into Cincinnati, and Cincinnati won a bunch of games with him at quarterback. If you keep him in the fold and you enable him to kind of be the mentor to Joe Burrow, I think you have a seamless transition from one starting quarterback to the next. I like the Philadelphia situation, but I have another scenario. How about the New England Patriots? I know it was rumored that look that would be a potential destination for him, but if you think about Tom Brady departing New England and what, Bill Belichick typically likes to do. He likes to have a smart, uh, cerebral, effective quarterback who can manage the game, who understands how to play it. We can say a lot of things about Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton understands how to play the game and he can play a winning way. I would say that he would benefit from having maybe an upgrade in coaching in terms of the other parts of building a complimentary format that would allow him to win. I think he would be the perfect fit in New England. He's a low ego, low drama guy, I think he kind of just fits the profile. And even though the footsteps would be big to step into Tom Brady's footsteps, I think he has the right temperament and ego to be able to kind of handle that.
2: Yeah, I can kind of compliment what they want to do, you know, how the team's built right now. Play great defense, run the football, protect the football. I mean, that's kind of that's Andy Dalton. That's that's what you're gonna get there with Andy Dalton. Actually, I like that idea there with the Patriots. Uh, the, the next one here, Buck, I don't know if there's any other option. Ryan Tannehill is gonna be a Tennessee Titan. I can't envision any scenario in which he's not a Tennessee Titan next year.
3: No, the way that he played, the way that he played down the stretch, the way that he sparked the offense, the synergy and connection that he has. Not only with the rest of the team, but more particular, the way he and Derrick Henry are kind of that one-two punch on offense. I love the way that Arthur Smith put this offense together with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, used his legs, used his athleticism, really featured him as a play-action passer. And then the connection that he immediately had with the guys on the outside, A.J. Brown, Corey Corey Davis, as he continues to kind of take ownership of this offense, I just believe it clicks. And the success that they had, I think you have to continue to dance with Ryan Tannehill. You may look at a younger quarterback, um, someone that may be in the second, third round, a developmental type dude. But right now, I think Ryan Tannehill is the right fit for this, this team.
2: Yeah, to me, it's just a matter of whether or not you want a short-term situation go year by year or whether you feel confident enough to invest in him long-term. Uh, that, to me, is the decision with Ryan Tannehill there uh, with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, we go on now to, to a really interesting one with Phillip Rivers, and I think we're going to find out very soon uh, what his situation is with the Los Angeles Chargers. Maybe by the time you listen to this, who knows? You might know uh, what's going on there, uh, but we'll see. I, I, I wrote down the two teams I wrote down, and this the first one might surprise some people. I wrote down Indy. Uh, because when you look at the Colts, this is a team, from from Rivers' standpoint, makes a lot of sense. Um, you've got a head coach there in Frank Reich, uh, who you have a great relationship with, who coached you there with the Chargers previously. Uh, Nick Sirianni, the, the offensive coordinator, has a relationship with him as well. Um, so you've got a scheme fit, very easy for him to come in and pick up whatever they want to do. I believe he's an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. It would be a great offensive line in front of him, one that he hasn't played behind since going back to the old Charger days early on in his career uh, when they had that group with uh, uh, with Nick Hardwick and, and all those dudes in front of him that were, uh, that were outstanding in that offensive line. Um, so I think you get protected. He's also going to be playing nine games indoors. You count the mm-hmm. road game there in Houston every year, minimum. Um, as you start to lose a little bit on your arm strength, I think that could prolong his career. And it's a team that's ready to win right now. So I actually put the Colts down there at the first position, and I put the Chargers down there in the second position. But I think, look, we're going to know really soon what the Chargers' plans are. Um, I assume that it's going to involve drafting a quarterback, whether that's at the top of the first round or the top of the second round. But bringing in another young quarterback with Tyrod Taylor there to kind of be the bridge quarterback seems to make a lot of sense. Uh, But we'll know more here in the coming days.
3: So here, here's what's interesting. I actually love the scenario, and I, I didn't love it when I first heard it. When I thought about it, because I was like, "Man, Philip Rivers, like the turnovers this year really bothered me. Uh, did he fall off the cliff?" But then I just, I just think about Frank Wright, and I think a couple of things why Frank Wright would be the right coach for Philip Rivers at this stage of his career. One, Frank Wright played the position. Frank Wright has a clear understanding because he played so long in the league. He kind of understands how guys kind of mature as quarterbacks and how they eventually begin to fade the black. I think what he can do is kind of stem some of the deterioration that maybe we've seen from Phillip Rivers' game in terms of like the carelessness with the ball and those things. Also, because they have a previous relationship, I think the biggest thing when you have a veteran quarterback coming into a new situation, will he respect the coach and will he allow himself to be coached? Well, I think because they have that relationship, I think Phillip Rivers will submit and allow Frank Reich to coach him and maybe coach him hard in terms of, hey, we need to fix this. We need to work on these things when it comes to the fundamentals. Hey, we need to work on taking care of the ball. And then what Frank Reich also will do is what he did with Andrew Luck. He'll protect them by making sure that the running game is a factor. When you have an aging quarterback, the the beauty of it is, look, all of that experience and wisdom really comes into play like four or five games out the year. But if you got the rest of the team up and going and humming, the running game, the defense, then those guys can just kind of play in a management role for the majority of the season. But you break them out when you need them. I don't think Phillip Rivers has ever been allowed – to, to play that way, or I don't know if he's really submitted and allowed himself to play that way. I think Frank Wright could have convincing conversations to get him to play that way.
2: Yeah, I think everything that you said makes a lot of sense, and I think, um, you know, not feeling like you have to do too much, I, I don't think you would necessarily with the way that Colts team is constructed right now. I think he could go on there and, and kind of seamlessly make that transition, um, but we'll see what the Chargers, they hold the keys there in terms of, of his future and what they want to do. Uh, next one, Marcus Mariota, Uh, Obviously, we talked about Ryan Tannehill being the future there for the Tennessee Titans. So what does that mean for Mariota? Uh, To me, Buck, I thought West Coast. Get him back to the West Coast. Get him in a uh, place where he can kind of collect himself. Um, And I I look at two teams. I put the Chargers down. Um, You've got Tyrod Taylor there. Mm -hmm. I think Marcus Mariota. You talk about changing your dynamic from Philip Rivers being a pure pocket passer to being guys that are mobile and threats with their legs. Um, I think that Mariota, that could be a good fit mm. for him there. I think he'd have a good chance to, yes. to beat out Tyrod Taylor there. And uh, with all the weapons they have in place and then using his mobility to get away from some of the issues as they continue to, to develop this offensive line would make sense. And then I put down San Francisco. Um, you know, Ooh. Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't. I don't think they're necessarily going to look to replace Jimmy Garoppolo, Buck. I think yeah. he played well on the whole. I think you miss a couple of throws in the Super Bowl, but I don't think it's you know bring him in there just to say hey, we've got a little competition here for you, and then let Kyle Shanahan work with Mar- Marcus Mariota. Think back mm. to the Shanahans mm-hmm. when RG three came into the league and what they were able to do with him. Now Marcus Mariota, as you've talked about numerous times, Buck. He's got to accept the fact that his legs are an asset and stop trying mm-hmm. to, to, to be a pure pocket-only passer. It's not That's not who you are. That's, not, that's fine. And you can win a lot of football games with you moving around and making plays. Embrace that. And I think if Shanahan could get through to him on that, we talk about adding firepower to this team. Maybe it's maybe he doesn't beat out Jimmy Garoppolo, but maybe the, he could find a role much like a Taysom Hill did with the New Orleans Saints. Maybe Marcus Mariota could find that type of a role with the Shanahan offense up there in San Fran.
3: Man, I, I hadn't even thought about or considered the San Francisco 49ers, but I absolutely love that one. And the reason why I love that one, I believe that system will – tee up and serve up enough completions to make the game very easy for Marcus Mariota. What we really haven't seen from that system is what most of the people who utilize that uh, original Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay system, we haven't really seen them utilize the bootleg movement part of it. With Jimmy Garoppolo, it's more traditional, straight drop back, a couple of boots, but not like they could. With Marcus Mariota, you're talking about adding a dimension to the running game? The the added dimension is not necessarily Marcus Mariota as the quarterback design runner, but Marcus Mariota potentially coming out the back door on bootlegs. Imagine how you have to hold on the backside when they're handing the ball off to one of the many running backs that kind of occupies the running back position for the Niners. I think it would be great. And then with Debo Samuel, some of those guys and George Kittle, because Marcus Mariota loves to target the tight end. You're talking about the middle of the field being wide open off play action. That works for him. How about another scenario? Because when Marcus Mariota was coming out of Oregon, I compared him to Alex Smith. The guy who helped Alex Smith continue to rehab his image as a starting quarterback, yes, it was Jim Harbaugh. But man, he did a lot of work in Kansas City under Andy Reid. When you think about Pat Mahomes and Pat Mahomes being everything right now, why not bring in a Marcus Mariota as a backup. We saw them kind of pluck Matt Moore off the street when Pat Mahomes went down. If I'm Marcus Mariota, why not go to Andy Reid and let the quarterback whisperer sprinkle a little of that magic dust on me so I can learn how to (laughs) play the position and get ready? We've seen... Andy Reid has been successful with every quarterback that he has touched, going all the way back to Philadelphia with Donovan McNabb and Jeff Garcia. Uh, A.J. Feeley has success. Coy Detmer. Why not take a year or two to learn how to play the position, learn while also watching one of the best young quarterbacks that we have seen and Pat Mahomes? I think Kansas City would be a great fit for Marcus Mariota.
2: Yeah, I, I think I love that, and I remember if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, Buck, I was in Philadelphia when Mariota came out, um, and I want to say Andy Reid had a little uh, affinity there for, for Marcus Mariota. I <laughs> and, have to go back and look into my notes. And, 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 and I'll say this, jar, like, my like my memory, Marcus Mariota's twenty six years old, Buck. I mean, he's still got a lot ahead of got him. A, got a, got him. Got 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 a lot
3: of juice. And if one thing I, I know about Andy, and this is something that everyone that worked under Coach Mike Holmgren has, has done. You can never collect enough quarterbacks. Um, they're invaluable when it comes to mm-hmm. being able to develop them, rebuild them, then auction them off. Andy Reid gets his hands on Marcus Mariota. One, it'll add some energy to Andy because he get a chance to work with another talented quarterback, another one that he can develop. Man, he gets him up and running. Imagine what they could do, what he may be able to fetch on the open market if he does have a five- or six-game stretch where he plays really well, what they can get back. And We talk about the Kansas City Chiefs always adding weapons. Well, now you get another weapon that would maybe enable you to continue to play the same way that you play with Pat Mahomes. He's not Pat Mahomes, but the athleticism, the playmaking ability, they do have some traits that kind of cross over. I think it would be a great fit for him in Kansas City.
2: The interesting thing, though, with Kansas City is once they pay Pat I don't know that they'd have because the, you got to believe Marcus Mariota is at least going to get top tier backup money from teams around the league. You think? I, you I think he get Tennessee Teddy Bridgewater he money? Squeeze all that money. Uh, what did Teddy end up getting? He got like seven. I mean, I go back to Mike. He got like Lennon seven. Whatever yeah. he got. Yeah. Well, Oof, yeah. He's going to get that's north of, of that. That's a I lot mean, of money. Ooh. He's going to get. That's what I'm saying. If he if he's going to command at minimum, I'm thinking Marcus Mariota. Somebody's going to pay him 10 million a year to come in as the backup. Um, so then, now you're sitting there going, "I can't, I can't have forty million dollars, Patrick Mahomes, and ten million dollars in my backup." Uh, so that that'll be just kind of a financial situation to see what happens there uh, with that one. Uh, next one on the list, Buck. I wrote down Derek Carr, and you know, I, look. I don't know what's going to happen with Derek Carr. He could very well move to Las Vegas, move into that house that he's got, that he's building right next to John Gruden. But just when you listen to the public comments that are out there, Buck, I do not get an overwhelming sense of support there uh, Mm -hmm. with Derek Carr. And so when I look at that, I could see them trying. You know, they've got assets. The Oakland Raiders have money, and they have draft picks. So they've got avenues where they could go out and get a veteran. We've already talked about Tom Brady, potentially. Um, They could go into the draft. We'll get to those guys here in a little bit. Um, But if they do decide to move on from Derek Carr, I I mean, really, I can cut and paste everything you said about Andy Dalton going to the New England Patriots, and I would just cut and paste it to Derek Carr. Uh, And and the other thing I would add on that, Derek Carr, the Fresno State connection. There's always, like, these weird connections, right? Pat Hill there at Fresno Mm -hmm. State. You look at Pat Hill having coached with Bill Belichick, having yeah. a close relationship there, so that that could be kind of a, an easy way for Belichick to kind of do his homework on Derek Carr through Pat Hill.
3: Look, that's 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 a good idea. The only thing that I worry about when it comes to Derek Carr and Bill Belichick, um, and and I, and I can't get a I, I can't get a full sense of this, but I wonder about the toughness. You know, like. I, I kind of feel like, like at that position, like the toughness, is, is he tough enough to endure the stuff that will come along with it? Because not only like, and you're not man- talking
2: physically, you're not talking just, just the grind the, yeah. the
3: mental stuff or whatever, because whoever steps in to replace TB 12, like you have to have eno- enough resolve and, and, and grit and mental toughness to endure all the criticism that is going to come. Cause remember they're going to romanticize Tom Brady when he leaves. And so with every mistake, every bad game, every so-so performance, you're going to be compared to number 12. Does he have enough intestinal fortitude to handle stepping in for Tom Brady? That is the only thing that would lead me to pause a little bit with him going to New England. I do believe there's some other teams that would entertain it. Like, it it, it popped up on Twitter, right? Like, uh, I had a debate with one Mm. of the guys from Sport Track about Derek Carr potentially going to the Dallas Cowboys. And... On paper, yes, it would look great. Like from a schematic standpoint, Mike McCarthy being able to work with Derek Carr, quick rhythm thrower, a guy that can get the ball out on the perimeter and let those guys go. The one thing, he'll be stepping into that leadership vacuum that would be vacated by Dak Prescott leaving if Dak Prescott departed or whatever. Uh, a lot of the things that I have with Derek Carr have little to do with his physical ability and more to do with like his ticker, his toughness, his heart, his competitive desire? Is he built for it on a grander stage? Because, look, leaving the Raiders, going to New England and going to the Cowboys, you're talking about being on some of the biggest stages that you can find. I just wonder if he's built for all of that.
2: Yeah, my, my thing with, with Derek is just I just want to see him just embrace kind of that attack mode. You know, you see glimpses of it and you get excited, but then he kind of gets back in and is a little bit too cautious and too conservative. I think there's a happy medium in there somewhere to be found, like the scale right between a Jameis Winston and a Derek Carr. Can you find something in the middle there? You know, with, mm-hmm. without being reckless, but being a little more aggressive. I think that's you know that's my that's my frustration because I do see glimpses of him uh, showing that ability. I just want to see him be continue You know, continue. Show me that aggressive attacking style um, that I wish we had a little bit more of. Uh, when we get to the Dallas Cowboys, Buck, I, that, that's Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's not leaving Dallas. Dallas is not going to let that one get away, one way or the other. He'll be a Cowboy.
3: No, I, I think he's he, 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 look. He's beautiful, and they have all the leverage. Like they they can drop the franchise tag on him. They can sign him to a long term deal. So regardless, we're going to see Dak Prescott with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm actually excited to see it because I'm excited to see what Mike McCarthy actually does with Dak Prescott. This is a little different in terms of everyone always thinks about Mike McCarthy being attached to Aaron Rodgers. But I want people to go back and think Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator in New Orleans when Aaron Brooks was the quarterback. And he helped Aaron Brooks play at a very, very high level. And I know a lot of people have made it out to be where Aaron Rodgers made Mike McCarthy. But make no mistake. He is a very, very solid quarterback developer and whisperer. He will do a really, really good job with Dak Prescott, regardless of whether they continue to use Kellen Moore's system or his system. We will see Dak Prescott's game continue to improve with Mike McCarthy really working on the fundamentals and mechanics with him.
2: Yeah, I'd be excited. If I was a Cowboy fan, I know they've got a ton of free agents. They've got to figure out who they're going to pay here. Um, but I do feel like Dak Prescott, This is he's just getting going here. He's going to be a very good player for them for the next decade. They've got their guy. They'll take care of him. Uh, don't worry about it. Now, now we get uh, to an interesting one here, Buck. Mm. Cam Newton. Uh, Cam Newton there coming off injury with the Carolina Panthers. You've got obviously new coach there, Matt Rule, who gets a seven-year contract, so you know he is not going anywhere. Uh, you've got a relatively new owner. Um, th- this, to me, a lot of things point to okay, we're going in a new direction, starting over. Um, can they, you know, see what they can potentially get for a Cam Newton? But having said that, I think when they kind of look at what their options are, where they're picking in the draft, who they'd be able to be in on in free agency, I don't. I don't see an upgrade, Buck. I, I just don't see one out there. So when I look at it that way, while a lot of those factors point to a change. I, to me, I always my dad gave me this advice when I was young, and we were talking about uh, jobs and you know potentially leaving one job or going to the other one. And he always said, "Don't ever, um, you know, don't ever jump off a train unless you know you're going to be able to get on one." He said, "He said, run to something, don't run from something." So yep. in other words, okay, maybe I don't love everything about Cam Newton, but if you don't have something out there that you like better sorry, man, that's that's who you're dancing with right now. And I just don't see an upgrade out there for Carolina. They don't have one on their roster. Um, so I have Carolina being the, the, the most likely that he returns there. And then the second team I wrote down, just because I thought it would be fun, I don't see the uh, the Bears giving up on Mitch Trubisky anytime soon. I think they're very much committed to him and try and get him healthy in the offseason, hope he can bounce back and have a better year. Uh, but Matt Nagy, having spent that time under Andy Reid, um, I think he would he would be a fun, creative outlet to use Cam Newton, provided we see the Cam Newton return to the health that we saw him previously.
3: Yeah, I, I, look, I, I like that. It, it would be interesting uh, to kind of put Cam in the Windy City. Uh, I think it would be challenging, though. I think it would be challenging to put a guy who has been an MVP right behind a quarterback who has been struggling, who has hurt a lot well, of outside and that, noise. To me, would,
2: that, to me, would mean you're kind of moving on. You, yeah, you're no, not bringing I get in Cam it. Newton to be a backup. Yeah, it's bring like, in like, Cam Newton. He's the dude. And, yeah, like – Mitch like, has got to – that's it. M-
3: Mitch know? would have, have to do it. I have another scenario, and so you're really close to this team. How about the L.A. Chargers? And here's why I would say Cam Newton potentially with the L.A. Chargers. Mm-hmm. I know Tyrod Taylor is there, but you're t- – the L.A. Chargers, you're in L.A., L.A. demands a little showtime. They demand a little star power. So Anthony Lynn has had success dealing with athletic quarterbacks. Well, now you give him an athletic quarterback who has played at an MVP level who also has some star power. A little cachet, a little, hey, maybe we should tune in to see what the Chargers look like with maybe a guy who was a megastar at the position. So him and the him with the Chargers, Cam Newton with the Chargers is one scenario. The second scenario would be the Washington Redskins. And on paper, it doesn't look like a great fit because look, they just drafted a guy in Wayne Haskins. What typically happens when you are a head coach and you get full autonomy to run the personnel department what you typically do is you fall back in love with the guys that you've always had around you. And so I could see Ron Rivera kind of still having loving eyes for Cam Newton if Cam Newton comes available. And because they did go on a Super Bowl run and because he did basically uh, raise Cam Newton from a pup to a, 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 a full blown out grown man and MVP, MVP player, I could see Ron Rivera being like, you know what, maybe the nation's capital as we're jump starting our team Maybe just maybe I hand the keys, of the, ki- the keys to the kingdom to Cam Newton.
2: Yeah, I, I again, Buck. I'd come back to the original point though. I mean, do you see who's Carolina going to get that's better right now? Where, I, see, I don't, that's, that's I, I don't know. That's that's always been the thing. Where they- that's always where been that is.
3: That's always been the thing. And I, I know we can talk about like ushering in a change and a new culture and look, Keekley is gone, Greg Olson is gone. So it appears that the next domino to fall would be Cam Newton. But Matt Rule has to look around and say, Hey, someone has to take a snap and that that someone has to have some credibility. We look at the rest of the league and we can talk about downsizing in terms of the, the number on the cap, but Cam Newton is nineteen million dollars. So what am I really doing if I move on from him? Maybe just maybe for a year what, we what, roll with Cam Newton and see. What about, and then? Go. Wh-
2: what about what? What about the buck? The elephant in the room. Why? Why are we not? Why are we not thinking about this? I mean, let's put our NBA hat on here for a second. Let's mm. think about a quarterback at Clemson. Let's put our NBA hat on Ooh. and see. Oh, you you know, So you've oh, got oh, a lot of patience oh, and a lot of time. Oh, so a maybe T-word. I'm not saying oh, – I'm not going to say the word, but I'm but maybe, saying there's but, a T-word out there.
3: Hey, so maybe maybe we're going to treat this like a recreational football team and say, hey, guys, we're just going to worry about the process. We're not going to worry about the wins <laughs> and losses. We're just going to get better, learn how to practice, learn how to communicate with one another and all those things. And, oh, by the way, if we happen to go 214 and we're positioned – In Rock Hill, South Carolina, (laughs) to get a quarterback that may wear orange at one of the institutions in South Carolina, maybe just maybe that just happens to work out. Hmm, not a bad thought, DJ. I'm
2: not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. But if you're listening to this right now, I may or may not be doing the Bosa celebration. (laughs) (laughs)
3: That's all all I'm saying. I mean, maybe maybe, just maybe it's maybe it is a viable. uh, Hey, Cam, we're going to let you go. We're just going to play with. uh, you know, we'll agree. We'll let you play quarterback for this year and, you know, just give you a full opportunity to develop and grow and do all those things. And we'll let Joe Brady learn how to call plays at the NFL level and all those things. So he'd be ripe, prime and ready to go for when some guy with flowing locks um, kind of comes and, and falls. Here you go, Buck. let's us.
2: do it right now. Stop. Week one, starting at quarterback for your <laughs> Carolina Panthers, Willie Mays Hayes, <laughs> come on out! I mean,
3: not 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 a bad not not a bad thing. Get a bunch of young players playing well, and uh, one thing we know about Coach. I Roll mean, is if you
2: look, if you looked around the league, out. I mean, they make the most sense mm-hmm. geographically, and you think about who's potentially out there. If any team you're going to say could potentially go down that path. That team makes more sense than any other team in the league.
3: And the one thing that we've seen is like Matt Rule is undaunted by having slow starts to his tenures. Uh, you look at what he did at Temple, oh, he's done you look the at turnaround. what he did at, yeah. at Baylor. Hey, you know what? We go one in 15, doesn't change. Hey, the next year we can get up and going. And all you have to do is insert that guy, the guy that we're kind of alluding to. Maybe, just maybe, it might be right.
2: Hey Buck, you know when you're learning how to swim and you're young and you're kind of like in between, like you're underwater, <laughs> but you're trying to get up and you don't have enough juice. You know, you know the best way to get up to the top, Buck. You go right to the bottom and spring. Off the, off the <laughs> right up, push up, the push That's up. That might saying, be the way. That's right? just all I'm saying. Sometimes you got to go down to get up. Uh, all right, New Orleans. Uh, this is interesting. We'll see what Drew Brees decides to do. Um, the interesting thing to me is if Drew Brees decides to retire, all right, let's just say, you know, potentially does that. He played well last year. But if he does decide to retire, I I, I think it's Taysom Hill. I know Teddy was undefeated mm-hmm. in, in his little stretch there, but I think Sean Payton wants to see what he can do uh, with Taysom Hill and, and how creative he can be. I think it it might be a two-quarterback situation, but I would think it'll it'll be Taysom Hill as the 1A part of a two-quarterback situation.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um- You know, it'd be interesting because like you you heard Drew Brees talk about that two quarterback situation in terms of like, hey, if I took 30 snaps and Taysom took another 20 and we did some of those things, like maybe just maybe it could work out. I do believe Sean Payton is fascinated by Taysom Hill. He's fascinated by being able to do some of the new school stuff. And as we saw this year, all of us have egos in this business and coaches for sure have egos. You had to know that on some of those Mondays, he had to pop in a little Lamar Jackson tape. He had to pop in a little Kyler Murray tape. He had to oh, pop yeah. in some Deshaun Watson, some Pat Mahomes and said, man, it's kind of fun when you got one of those guys that can kind of run around and you can do some of those stuff. Like, I can add a whole entire column to my, my play sheet if I have a guy like that. And I think with Taysom Hill and some of the stuff that he's flashed, maybe, just maybe, we do see the combination of number nine and number seven, kind of sharing the duties as a quarterback in New Orleans.
2: Um, let's get let's stay in New Orleans there with another quarterback there in Teddy Bridgewater, Buck. We need to talk about Teddy and and what would make sense for him and where he could potentially go. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think the Taysom Hill thing takes precedence there in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I, th- I don't know necessarily that he would be the guy there in New Orleans. And so when I look around for other teams, the tempting thing about Teddy, like to me, I look at the Chargers. If you're the Chargers, And you can get Teddy Bridgewater. Not only do you get a young player who's played at a very high level, you know, and he's a distributor, right? So you've got the weapons there. He can distribute the football. He's not going to turn it over, which you knew was a frustration for Anthony Lynn uh, last year with just the number of turnovers they had there at the quarterback position. So if you get a Teddy Bridgewater, and then what you've done, Buck, is you've freed yourself up. Now you've got the sixth pick. And now let's have some fun because you can go out and you can go get the top tackle in the draft, whoever you think that is. If you think that's Jedrick Wills at Alabama, if you think that's Mekhi Beckton, if you think it's Tristan Wirfs, whoever, um, you can go get the tackle to upgrade the offensive line. Or you get Teddy Bridgewater. Now you've freed yourself up with that sixth pick to do what I'm most enticed by, uh, having watched this Chargers team and being an NFL fan. Man, I would l- give me Isaiah Simmons and let him and Derwin James just wreak <laughs> havoc on the back end of that defense with two versatile chess pieces and now you've got Bosa, you see you've got Ingram coming back, you've got pass rushers, and you've got two of the more athletic, versatile players uh, in the NFL with those two guys. And now you've got Teddy Bridgewater. You're protecting the football. He's efficient. When I look at all these options, if I'm the Chargers, I think I put Teddy Bridgewater right at the top of my list. Yeah, like that's not a bad idea, DJ,
3: because he, he, here's what you're also doing. And, and I do wonder, because if you move on from Philip Rivers and now maybe Anthony Lynn really – builds the team in, in, in the way that he he kind of envisions it needs to play to really have sustainable success, maybe they do become a little more of a complementary team where maybe the defense is the driving force of their success. Maybe they invest a little more in the running game and the offensive line and then your quarterback is able to efficiently deliver passes down the field. Look, it worked for the San Francisco 49ers and I'm not saying that the Chargers front is uh, exactly what the Niners have, but they certainly have played good enough defense to do some of the things. So if if you think about how they the could draft
2: percent- a D lineman with the six pick. If you think
3: about how the Chargers have been built, and a, a, a year ago, how they were able to kind of get into the playoffs and make hay because the defense was leading the way. Dominant defense, running game, efficient quarterback play. That could be the way. And then if you add another defensive playmaker, like a Simmons to go with, Derwin James, man, you're talking about, I mean, fireworks on the defense side of the ball as you're kind of knocking people around. And we've talked about it. You have to build your team to beat – the new bully in the in in the AFC West, which is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. How are you going to close the gap? Is that a we're going to outscore them or no? We're going to slow the game down and we're going to play like the 49ers played and the way the 49ers control the game for three and a half quarters. Defense, run it and find a way to get Pat Mahomes uncomfortable in off his spot. It may be investing a little more in your defense, but you have to have an efficient quarterback on a cheap deal to be able to do it.
2: Yeah, he's an interesting option to me. I don't know that necessarily the upside is through the roof, Buck, but I think a very high floor, meaning I think Teddy Bridgewater needs to go to a good team, an established team with a lot of players. I think you can keep that train rolling. We saw it last year when he was when he was playing for New Orleans.
3: Hey, uh, one other team that I would mention with Teddy Bridgewater, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would be a team that mm-hmm. you would have to consider because – you saw Bruce Arians growing increasingly more frustrated with the turnovers from Jameis Winston. I mean, you talk about 30 interceptions. With the weapons that they have on the outside, really you're telling your quarterback, hey, man, just don't mess this up. Just don't give it away to the other team. Mike Evans, Chris Goodwin, uh, you have O.J. Howard. They still can beef up the offense line in the running game. But, man, if they just don't give games away by turning it over, they certainly would have a chance to be a team that is in the playoffs the next season.
2: Well, that gets us to Tampa, and that gets us to Jameis Winston. Um, Buck, I, I still, you know, look, I, I still put Tampa down as the favorite that he yeah. returns there. Uh, you know, to me that that makes probably the most sense when you look at all these different options. Uh, but I put the Raiders down there as well, and and that's what I referenced earlier of trying to find that happy medium. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe you maybe you bring in Jameis Winston with Derek Carr, put them together, and hope Derek Carr and his conservative nature rubs off on Jameis, and hope Jameis's aggressive nature rubs off on Derek Carr. And then it's just, let's have a competition here. Let's see who who comes out of this thing.
3: Well, one thing that, uh, look, I I talked about it with Andy Reid and what everyone learned from Coach Holmgren. uh, You can never have enough quarterbacks, and you always kind of take on these reclamation projects. Well, when I first went to the Oakland Raiders, the starting quarterback for the Raiders was Jeff George. Uh, Jeff George was a guy who was as talented as he come, but John Gruden was like, well, let me get my hands on him and maybe I can fix him. And because we all have egos in this business, every quarterback whisperer thinks they can fix the quarterback. So maybe, just maybe, John Gruden is looking at Jameis Winston and he's looking at the highlights. He's looking at him push the ball down the field. He's looking at the miraculous plays that he's making. And he's saying, if I can just get him to fix the bonehead decisions to do away with 25% of those decisions. Imagine how good he can be. So maybe he takes on that challenge with the Las Vegas Raiders because, look, the leadership skills are there. The fearlessness and the courage and the toughness, all those things are there. His biggest issue is he is careless and reckless with the football. Maybe John Gruden says, I can put him in a situation where I coach him hard and I can fix that part of his game.
2: Yeah, I think it'd be fascinating. I mean, that's the year I'd want to see hard knocks. Just to see those two, you know, in the Woo. room together and see how that all w- would shake out. There It would be kind of fun. Um, all right, Buck. That was kind of our quarterback carousel there. And, and as you can tell by the guys we just went through, it's going to be a fascinating off season. Uh, let's go. Just quick pace here because we're going to have a lot more time to mm-hmm. talk about these draft guys as we go through the process. But just kind of as we stand right now, very early on, the two, two or three teams that make the most sense for these players. Um, I'll run through the top. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six quarterbacks mm-hmm. here and kind of give you my two, two teams, and then kind of just after I get through your, this list, Buck, yep. just kind of highlight which ones you like or which fits you'd like to change here. Uh, Burrow, Cincinnati is obvious one. I put Miami down there just as a second in case you know they have all the firepower. If they were in love with him, I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals will trade off of one, but they're the one team with the firepower to get up there if they wanted to. Oh. Uh, Tua, mm-hmm. uh, Miami, and the Chargers that make the most sense to me with him. Uh, Herbert, the Chargers, and the Lions. Uh, There's some buzz on the streets that the Lions really like Justin Herbert. That's why I mentioned that one. Uh, Jordan Love, the Colts and the Raiders. Um, High upside, low floor, a little bit of a wild card, but a lot to work with there. Uh, You trust your, your, your... your guys to develop quarterbacks with Frank Reich and with John Gruden, very confident they could get it out of him. Uh, from Jake Fromm from Georgia, staying in Atlanta, backing up Matt Ryan to eventually take over, playing indoors, which I think would benefit him. And then I put Miami in the second round as kind of, you know, hey, let's get impact players early on. We take J- Jake Fromm in the second round uh, if they're not comfortable with Tua's injury. And then Jacob Eason, Tampa Bay, our buddy Lance line has been beating that drum for a while. And then I put Carolina down there, and that to me would be Carolina... Probably in the second round is somebody just, OK, we, we're not going to get a quarterback. We don't like one here early. Uh, let's see if we can get a guy like Jacob East in there in the second round.
3: Look, man, of, of all those things, um, Joe Burrow, the only other team that I would throw in there would be Carolina because of the natural relationship with Joe Brady. Uh, you, you just talk about a scenario. Yep. Of maybe Cincinnati wants to get back. Maybe you can dangle Cam Newton out there. Maybe just maybe they kind of fall for it. Uh, I don't know. I think the L.A. Chargers are the perfect fit. West Coast presence, he comes from Hawaii. Not only that, but when you look at him, in my mind, he still kind of reminds me of Drew Brees, quick rhythm thrower, all the weapons that they have on the outside. He literally can just uh, put the ball in the hands of the playmakers and let them do their thing on the perimeter. Justin Herbert, I think really helped himself with his performance at the Senior Bowl throughout the week. Not necessarily anything that he did on the field, but his interaction with his teammates, the way he handled business behind the scenes. I think you could see a scenario where the Detroit lines fall in love with him based on watching him interact and saying like, hey, this is the future of our franchise. And what could we get back from Matthew Stafford if we put him on the open market? When you think about building and rebuilding a squad, Justin, like love is, is interesting to me because Indianapolis is, is great. Then you talk about the Las Vegas Raiders, John Gruden loving it, two teams that I would bring up. Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Bruce Arians loves a gunslinger. And then I just continue to think about New Orleans and some of this has to do with like people have made the light. I'm not saying these comparisons are valid, but the light comparisons between Love's game and Pat Mahomes. Imagine Sean Payton thinking, hey, you know what? I would like to do some of the things that I saw in the Super Bowl with Love from, I think you hit the nail on the head, the wild card. And I just had this conversation last night with a scouting buddy of mine, Jacob Easton he's like, I, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. He, he said, look, man, I, I went through your mock draft and like, uh, I was okay with, it. he said, the names that kind of popped up to me, he's like, I wasn't really in love with the, the love thing. He's like, how come Eason isn't in your deal? Mm-hmm. He's like, when I look at him, I think he might be the the, the the third or the fourth best quarterback in the deal. He's like, you may want to continue to pay close attention to him. He said, I'm not the only one on the streets that has a, a, a fascination for what this kid could be. So look, with Eason, and I think it would be really important when we get to the combine, when people get a chance to really see Eason throw and they see the talent, you could see some conversation and some buzz build about Eason. He was still a little up and down this year, but you can't deny the talent. And at a time where everyone is kind of regretting not pulling the trigger on Pat Mahomes, You're going to see some people take chances that they ordinarily wouldn't take on quarterbacks based on what the potential could be as opposed to what we've just seen with our eyes.
2: Yeah, he has got a huge arm. He's got some bad habits he's got to break out of. Um, but I can see the, I can see some people falling in love with him there, Buck. And he is going to put on a show at the Combine because he can absolutely spin it. Um, he's got a huge arm, uh, no doubt. So uh, it's going to be fun to see how all this shakes out here this offseason. It's going to be fascinating. I, I do want to give uh, you some love here, Buck, because I actually wrote this down after our episode the other day because I think what you, you so uh, precisely described – where the quarterback position is headed. And I think we've you know we've done the trucks and trailers thing forever. And we've been talking about that mm-hmm. on the show. And I, I think it's really smart and I think it makes a lot of sense. But when you said the other day that the quarterback position is now about scores above shooters. And I've been thinking about that since we talked about it. It, it is the perfect analogy. That's exactly what it is. Forever we've talked about you know shooters, aka passers from the pocket being accurate, making shots, making shots, making shots. And then now it's about scores. If you can beat your man and score, um, you don't have to be the most accurate guy from behind the arc. You know what I mean? Like you're yes. getting buckets, and there's different ways to do that. So, at the end of the day, the goal of the offense is to score as many points as possible. Uh, so you can sacrifice some of your, your shooting accuracy if you can get to the bucket and you can make plays, you can score points, and I think that is what it's about going forward, this quarterback position. How do you find guys that put the ball in the paint? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is really
3: unbelievable, and look, it, two guys that come to mind that have kind of led me to think uh, this way led us to kind of have these conversations. DJ, I think we were, we were right together with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. I think we both could notice yep. their flaws and their warts. And we could spend, I mean, we could spend a ton of the time on the podcast talking about what they can't do. Well, both guys have gone in the lead and the league, and both of those guys have had a level of success that I don't know if anybody could have forecasted. One with Lamar, well, first we'll start with Josh Allen. With Josh Allen, the the intrigue was look, big arm, talented. But, man, we we never really saw him play up. And we could make excuses about, hey, he didn't have the weapons around him at Wyoming, and you never just saw him connect. Well, he goes to Buffalo, and he kind of becomes a little different player than we saw at Wyoming because he is really a dual threat. His ability to make plays with his legs while sprinkling in a couple of wild throws each and every game have put the Buffalo Bills back as a playoff contender where you can see them growing into a title contender with him at quarterback. And then Lamar Jackson, look, man, anytime you win the Heisman Trophy, the way that he won, anytime you're able to put together back-to-back 1,500-yard seasons in college at Louisville while also passing for over 3,400 yards in each of those seasons, you're talking about a remarkable athlete and playmaker. But when you looked at the tape, you wondered, man, I just don't know if he can throw it well enough. Well, lo and behold, he gets a chance as a rookie. They go on a great run into the playoffs. He then becomes the MVP of the league in his second season, doing it in a very unique way. Yeah, we can talk about the passing touchdowns, but really, the the dude had over 1,200 yards on the ground. I love Michael Vick, but what Lamar Jackson did surpassed what Michael Vick did as a runner. So now I'm I'm just like, you know, like, it, it is about getting buckets. It is can't look mm-hmm. I, some people don't like Russell Westbrook but Russell Westbrook just miles and collects triple doubles. Who is the next Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. at the position? The guy that can just go and get buckets no matter what it looks like. I do believe at, at quarterback we have to begin to appreciate guys who just find a way to string together first downs and put the ball in the paint.
2: Yeah, and if you're going to go Russell Westbrook kind of being Lamar Jackson, I'll go with a guy like Dwayne Wade being a Josh Allen. You know what I mean? oh, like, yeah. you know, Dwayne Wade's probably not going to win the three-point contest anymore, nope. but he's a scorer, and that's what Josh Allen has been able to do. It, it's just a great – I love it. I love it when we – take. An analogy from one sport and put it in another, and it and it makes sense in that one to me. So uh, it's well done. Um, all right, Buck, this has been a lot of fun, man. I think this is a nice Tone, jumping man. off episode here for us as we go into the off season, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. We got a ton of guys uh, here still to watch here to get ready for the combine, uh, but free agency is is uh, is gonna around the corner here before you know it. So, man, that was a lot of fun going through that today.
3: It was, it was a lot of fun. And, hey, DJ, here, here's what I would like to do, like, as we're going forward. Um, I think I would like a little more interaction from the listeners when it comes to, like, what would you guys like to hear us talk about? Like, what topics are first and foremost in your mind? Like, look, drop us a note on Twitter. Like, put a hashtag, MTS, um, so uh, MTS draft question, so we can kind of just figure out what do you guys want to talk about? How can we make this better? And make sure you leave those reviews wherever you can. Uh, We want to make sure that we make this the best one that's out there when it comes to the draft and football. So hit us up. Let us know.
2: Yeah, I want to do. It's a great idea, and I want to do one. We'll get to this. We'll get a hashtag, and we'll tweet it out at um, Bucky Brooks at Move the Sticks. We'll we'll end up tweeting out a hashtag, but I, I do want to do one specific episode before the combine, where we just do draft hashtag draft questions, you know, MTS draft questions, whatever, and we will do an entire episode. We'll take forty to an hour, and then we'll just go through and just answer all the questions that you guys have there uh, as we get towards the combine. I think it's a great idea. That would be fun. Um, all would, right, man. Let's uh let's get rolling here. We got. Yeah, it'd be great. We got uh we got a lot of guys to watch, a lot of stuff to do, so we're gonna get rolling here. But I do wanna thank Nabil for producing this bad boy. Thank you guys for listening. Uh we'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks.
0: There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash grandhighlander. You deserve to treat
1: yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. but if life changes, you can return at any time or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands.
0: Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.
1: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you.